Hello, it's Alex here this week again with the Pokey TCG cast. I have to say, this weekend was definitely a lot more exciting across the globe than it was in my own kitchen, as over in Sao Paulo, Brazil, there was the Latin America International Championship, which was definitely a really fun tournament to watch. A little bit of controversy, but definitely a lot more exciting than my kitchen where I attempted to perfect my bagel recipe. You know, the bagels are good, but still a lot of work to do there. Enough of my bagels. The Latin America International Championships did have a little bit of controversy this weekend. There's a lot of players that talk about it. Go check out some of their podcasts, what they're saying about it. There's a lot of good points that are being brought up, and they're a lot better about talking about it than I am. So I'll leave it to them. But I definitely just want to talk about a lot of the decks that showed up and what was really interesting about the tournament. I'm just going to start off by saying I think that the metagame right now is in a very healthy place. And the big thing for that is that there isn't really any big elephant in the room when it comes to talking about the standard metagame, unlike the expanded metagame currently. And I think that really puts the game in a really good place. It leaves people to be able to get good at decks that they like. There isn't any specific deck that is miles above the other that forces people to get cards for, to play really well, and forcing people to essentially enter up matchups where they're supposed to be better than the other person, where in this metagame, you can choose a deck that you really like to play, and you can really show how good you are with a deck that you're comfortable with. That being said, though, Buzzwool Lycanroc definitely was the biggest player in this tournament, which makes sense given that I think the most recent numbers that I saw, at least from the previous big tournament at Portland, showed that Buzzwool Lycanroc was 60% of the metagame. Now, it's a lot lower numbers because there's a lot more decks represented, but there was 10 Buzzwool Lycanroc out of 64 day twos at the Sao Paulo Internationals. Now, what's kind of funny is the fact that that wasn't actually the largest represented deck. The largest was Zoroark Glycopod. And it makes sense that there's a lot of people that are playing with that deck, given that it's had a lot of time for people to sit on and get good at and make their pet deck. And so, kind of funny to see Glycopod Zoroark be represented so much in this tournament. And hey, it is still a good deck, it's just that there's a lot of cards now that kind of prey on the Zoroark element, and we're looking at Lycanroc, Buzzwool, and Lucario. Also, to go off on Lucario, I should say it had a decent amount of success in the tournament, and we've definitely seen what is starting to become one of the the more recognized as the best variant for Lucario, as when it first came out, there was a lot of decision-making on what should Lucario be paired with, what does it work the best with, and I think at this point, a lot of people have really gravitated towards Zoroark variants, wouldn't you guess? But aside from the six people playing some sort of Zoroark Lucario variant, there were still three other Lucario decks that were floating around. The Lucario Buzzwool that there was one of, the Lucario Lycanroc deck that there was one of, and the single Lone Lucario deck, which 
technically wasn't a lone Lucario. And I'm actually going to make note and talk a little bit about that later. But as for the other decks that were represented, there was five Vikabulu decks, two Zoroark Garbodor decks, seven Lycanroc Zoroark decks, four Espeon Garbodor decks, three Duxming Magnezone decks, one Garvi- Gardevoir, one Sylveon, one Glaceon Zoroark, one Greninja, one Ho-Oh, and one Lugrantis Tapubulu. There was actually a fair number of kind of interesting decks that popped up. Now, I myself have kind of gravitated towards trying to find out how the Duskmane Magnezone decks fared and what kind of deck lists that they were having, but right now I haven't had any luck finding any of those lists, so hopefully I'll be able to see at a later date what they are running in their decks, because I'm really curious to see what really is the best way to run Duskmane Magnezone at this point. But aside from that, one of the Vikabulu decks, and actually the best performing Vikabulu deck, was played by Vinicius Lopez, garnering a third place win. And what's really special about his variant is the fact that he was playing something closer to what has been known as Kikabulu. And it's really cool to see that a non-standardized variant of Vikabulu has kind of become one of the best performing so it's it's great to see that the one person that played an off-deck list of that archetype actually ended up performing the best and really close to even taking the whole tournament. So it's definitely something that I really liked to see and really made the weekend really fun to watch. Just the number of Vikabulu matchups and even mirror matches that appeared on stream was a little bit startling, but so much fun to watch. Now, the next deck that I wanted to talk about is Zoroark Garbodor. This is something that is not so much of a recent development, but the fact that people are coming across it a little bit more and sort of figuring out how to play the deck. It's kind of funny because out of the two Zoroark Garbodor decks, they were not playing really similar lists at all. In fact, one of those variants was the Bursting Balloon variant, and the other one is just kind of playing an odd disruption suite. And by odd disruption, the fact that he wasn't playing any psychic energies whatsoever. He was actually playing unit energies, Fabian Pujol, playing four unit energy LPMs, as well as a Kartana GX with an Oranguru. Just a really weird list. And actually the fact that he wasn't really even going too much for the breakpoint Garbodor but actually focusing more on the Guardian's Rising Trash Lynch Garbodor, playing a 3-3 with two Guardian's Risings and one Breakpoint Garbodor. So the Breakpoint Garbodor looked like more of an added bonus that if he could be able to establish it on the board to kind of make some matchups a little bit better, I would imagine to make the Vikavolt Tapubulu matchup better, to make, well, really any ability running deck that he could try or attempt to get stuck. So probably even the majority of Zoroark decks that were running around. Now, as for the other Zoroark Garbodor variant, playing Bursting Balloons is actually a really interesting development. I've talked about it in previous videos, but I still find it really interesting that people were actually able to figure out Bursting Balloon as a card and really 
makes certain plays unappealing to your opponent, which is really awesome. The fact that it disincentivizes people from playing field blower to remove it, as it's going to be gone at the end of the turn anyway. It also disincentivizes people bringing up the Garbodor to knock it out, as they're taking six damage counters on their Pokemon as they do it as well. And the fact that they've also got puzzles of times to keep on reusing it. So if you want to try to just wait out four boosting balloons, it's going to be a little bit harder than that because they technically have eight available. And honestly, if you're trying to wait out eight turns of ability block, I don't think you're going to win that match. So honestly, there's a lot of things about bursting balloons that actually makes it really good in the sort of deck. So again, kind of interesting to see these kinds of variants pop up and do very well, as this was played by Gustavo Wada and placing him in 12th. The next interesting deck, Gardevoir did show up in the tournament, which was somewhat expected, but the fact that it wasn't a typical either Max Potion or even a Zoroark Gardevoir, or even a Sylveon Gardevoir, this was a Gardevoir variant that utilized Talonflame, and it just kind of leaves me a little bit speechless. The fact that something that really wasn't, or hasn't even come up in the metagame at all, and manages to place better than any other Gardevoirs, and it's the only Gardevoir deck to even make Day 2, and it's such an odd variant that nobody really sees. That being said, though, I can understand the use of Talonflame as... It sort of works like Sylveon, the fact that it allows you to tutor two cards from your deck, granted as opposed to three for Sylveon, but it's a fairly bulky Pokemon, 130 HP, nothing really compared to the 200 HP of Sylveon, but the big thing it really has going for it is the fact that it's got no retreat cost and only gives up one prize, so I think those things kind of also make Talonflame noteworthy, as it allows you to tutor for cards within your deck without sacrificing either a Pokemon out the active, as you can retreat it out, or even just two prizes, as it only gives one prize. Now, this deck doesn't entirely rely on Talonflame, though, which is good, because it also has Alolan Vulpix available, but I do have to say it's a little bit weird that it doesn't really have any protection against N. I mean, Talonflame really is the only Pokemon that searches for specific cards and gets you more cards in your hand, and even at that, that's just as an attack. But there's no Orangru, there's no Octillery, there's no Zoroark, so it definitely relies a bit more on having Tapu Lele GXs in the late game and having the ability to get into your draw supporters late game, which also, again, the draw supporters in Hudson Mateus's deck list aren't particularly thick, only playing four Sycamore, two N, and two Scythia, granted with one Skyla as well, but still a little bit thin to my liking. So kind of interesting for me to see him place 18th, but he eh, he might have gotten a little bit lucky with it, but still really interesting deck list that I really like seeing. Now, the last decklist of note is definitely something that hasn't popped up at any major tournament, and that is Lorantis Tapubulu. This 
it's it's incredible. It's something that has not popped up at all in the meta game, and it's astounding that it hasn't because it's quite honestly really decent. You've got several GX attacks that are usable in the deck. You've got main attackers like Tapu Bulu. You've got some good energy acceleration with Lurantis GX, with Max Elixirs, with energy switches. The fact that unlike regular Tapu Bulu, Vikavolt decks where you're splitting your energy, grass and electric, this plays just entirely grass energy. There isn't anything that's particularly hard to get out, given that this deck only plays with Lurantis and Lurantis GX as their only stage ones. The fact that it runs three choice band and two Lurantis promos to increase the amount of damage it does. I really think that this deck is going to be something that pops up a lot more in competitive play, because honestly, it's not a clunky looking list. It looks like it runs really well. The fact that you've got the ability to do so much damage, and the way that this is run, if you use Tapu Bulu GX as an attacker, you can still ramp up enough damage that you don't need to be discarding energy every turn. So, honestly, the only downside that I see to this list is not having a way to really accelerate a lot of energy outside of your discard pile, and maybe the first couple of turns getting some energy into your discard pile to be able to effectively use Lorantis GX. But yeah, it's a really cool looking list, and it really makes me want to build it and see how well it actually runs, because it it's a really interesting list. I would recommend that you look at the 58th place Juan Pablo Salas list. Well, now that I've put it off enough, I had mentioned earlier in the video kind of two separate archetypes that kind of look like the same archetype, the Lucario Buzzwool and just the lone Lucario. Now, the way that you say the archetypes, it kind of looks like that they're pretty obvious. You know, the Lucario Buzzle, you know, runs Lucario and Buzzle, and the Lone Lucario just runs Lucario. Well, the thing is that both lists run Lucario and Buzzle, and run a lot of the same support Pokemon as well. The big thing being is a lot of the difference that you see in the lists is mainly in the trainers, which kind of shows how the decks function. And honestly, the big difference is what attackers are prioritized, because the Buzzwool Lucario deck prioritizes Buzzwool as an attacker, and Lucario seems to only really be used as a way to kind of get surprise burst damage by evolving Riolu into Lucario, and with very little energy be able to take KOs, as it again runs kind of the same support Pokemon also running strong energy and choice band. So being able to kind of take surprise KOs with Lucario within a somewhat typical soul Buzzwool archetype. Now, the lone Lucario also playing Buzzwool will definitely play Buzzwool as the support Pokemon to chip away with damage, where a lot of the deck list is geared towards being able to use Lucario as a main attacker. So where the Lucario Buzzwool decklist will typically only evolve Riolun to Lucario 
if you're able to get Lucario into your hand, the lone Lucario really prioritizes being able to evolve. So it'll run Evo Sodas and a couple of other cards to be able to evolve into Lucario. And some final thoughts on the tournament. What was really surprising to me was seeing one Greninja deck actually make it into day two. Now, this needs a little bit of prefacing because one might expect, yeah, of course, it's almost been the case that one person makes day two with Greninja. Well, the big thing why it's even so surprising was there was a lot of people going into this tournament that were hyping up Greninja. And, you know, that's that's to be expected a little bit, because it is a good deck. It Granted, it has a lot of people that will kind of say, nah, it's really not too consistent. It relies on drawing a lot of good stuff, not really dead drawing. And this is true. But all in all... It's got a lot of good matchups in the med- metagame, given one thing, and that's given that people aren't expecting a lot of Greninja to shut- show up. Because if people are expecting a lot of Greninja to show up, they will include one card and one card only in their deck list to tech against Greninja. And that is Giratina as the promo card. Because this Giratina shuts off Greninja Break's ability to use Water Shuriken, leaving them most of the game to use just Shadow Stitching and shutting off your abilities, which isn't too good against decks like Buzzwool that don't need their abilities at all, except for like Tapu Lele's and maybe Octillery's. But essentially, a deck that has an attacker that doesn't rely on abilities. But this Giratina promo, if people tech it in, puts the Greninja in a pretty bad spot. And so, if there's a lot of people in a tournament that are expecting Greninja to show up, if they're expecting a number of matchups against Greninja, or even just tacking the card in for one match. Because, now, this isn't to say that they switch it in during their match against Greninja. We're talking about they put the card in their deck, expecting some time during the day to go up against Greninja. Because Giratina really flips the matchups around and makes it very, very difficult for Greninja to win and makes it very, very easy for the player with Giratina to be able to just take the game from them. So, given the number of people that were hyping up Greninja, there's a lot of these international players that decided to tech in Giratina expecting a lot more. And so, the fact that one Greninja player actually made it in day, day two either tells me that they got really lucky in encountering people that did not tech it in or some other miracles that may have happened because it's it's astounding because a number of players that we see in day two granted would rather go without the Garatina with their deck list and as their card choice you know a lot of players citing that they'd rather go with field blowers or other consistency cards but with the number of people that actually decided and stuck with putting Giratina in their deck lists is astounding and I'm just amazed that a Greninja player was able to make day two. Now there is also one really momentous occasion also with this tournament. This is the first major tournament where Volcanion has not shown up at day two at all. 
And this is really incredible because since two years ago that Vulcanian came around and has been a mainstay of its archetype, has always shown up at day twos for major events. And the fact that it was not able to secure any spots in Sao Paulo is just a really big deal. Now, that's not to say that it won't show up at all at the next or every other large event going on, but it does show that, one, not as many people are actually playing Vulcanian, they don't feel that it's as strong in the metagame, or the players just aren't good enough to play Day 2, or the fact that it's not as good of a deck anymore. Now, I might be less likely to see the last one of those options, given that I still think that it's a fairly good deck that operates pretty well. But still amazing that Ho-Oh was able to garner a spot ahead of Volcanion. That being said, though, I definitely like seeing the results of this tournament and seeing the number of decks that were available and the number of decks that were able to do well. And I want to thank you all, as usual, for listening in to the Pokey TCG cast, and I hope to see you next week.